Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Devin Hour podcast. I'm your host, Devin, aka Devin Too Woke. I am so happy to have someone on this podcast who I've been following for a minute, who I am so, I'm just so honored by your presence, Deshaun, for you to come on to the Devin Hour, this little ass podcast. Thank you so much for being Please. here. No, I'm, I'm happy to be here. You look so good. <laughs> um, I am excited to be in conversation with you. Yes. So today we are going to get into some things. We're going to talk about the work that you've done, the articles that you have written, specifically the Lagos uh, to Atlanta. I absolutely love that article so much. It really woke me up and opened my eyes to a lot of things. Also, we're going to talk about Twitter. All right. Fat phobia music. We're going to get into all the things. Let's so here it. we are. Um, first, did you get your powers today? Right now, we're in the, the nigga solstice. Did you get your powers? You know, I did. Very much did. Very much traveled back in time at one point. Very much was, you know, doing some some heat vision type shit. You know, it was really mm-hmm. given today. Like, the girls is not ready um, for what I had to give them. <laughs> right. My power for today was the trade attraction power. Um mm-hmm. So I needed to restock for the new year. So I've luckily found some new candidates and um, I shall be uh, using my resources uh, properly this year. Thank you very much. You know, I wish you <laughs> an ounce of luck. <laughs> Messing with the trade. Listen, you gotta do what you gotta do, okay? You, it's I, true, it's true. You know, it's I, cute. It's cute for now because, you know, fresh out of college is cute for now. But who knows by by the time next year, when I turn 23, that trade shit is going to be flying out the window for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm 24, so I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm I don't know. But, you know, I love it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we work. We work with what's given. All right. This is the we power. Do. We absolutely do. This is the power that Mariah Carey bestowed upon me. Um, that's who I believe <laughs> is the root of all this shit, is Mariah. I'm joking. I'm joking. I mean, I would not be surprised. Mariah is just really that girl, always has been that girl. And so if it's not Whitney, then it must be her. Right. Right. But let's just honestly talk about the power of Black Twitter. The fact that that one little-ass tweet became tweet. literally another national Black holiday it's amazing. I think like there is something very, very, very special about, uh, of course, like blackness and, and black people, but specifically about black Twitter and, and the ways that we um, maneuver online because so much of, of it is not like, it's not intended to do any, any, right. any like performative work for, for other people. We just, act like ourselves, like the niggas that we are. And it gives all the apps, not just Twitter, but like every app that we get on, like it gives the whole app life and like, and a reason to be on. Um, And I just think it's magical. I think like, and you know, I know Sis was really spouting some bullshit, but (laughs) shout out to her because she really like, she woke it up and now we out here living with our powers. So yeah, I think that just really speaks because it really shows, like, I feel like this is rooted from how we interact with one, and sh- with one another in our families. Like, we just be with our families cutting up, saying stupid shit, and then that one stupid shit that you said end up being a joke for the next 20, 30 years. And... Literally. 
And it's just amazing to see black people just come together over something so little and just make it this big old thing. And it's nothing but jokes. <laughs> like if it's one thing we're going to do, we're going to crack a joke. No, that's facts. <laughs> so I'm happy that your power is delivered and you showed the girls what they needed to do. All right. So mm-hmm. let's talk about uh, We Are Your Voice Mag. How did you get associated with that magazine? Wear your voice, yes. Wear your voice, um, yes. So, um, I started writing for Wear Your Voice back in 2017. Um, I forget what my first piece was for them because I've written a lot since then. But um, <laughs> I <laughs> I started writing for them because in 2017 I was navigating like houselessness and sex work um, and all the things, and that's a whole co- another conversation that I've written about. But um, I started writing publicly so that I could like um, get access to, to more income. And Where Your Voice is one of the first publications that accepted my work. Um, and so I have been writing for them literally since then. And now last year in 2019, October 2019, I was offered the position of associate editor. Yes. Um, after I was a columnist for like, I think I was a columnist for just a few months and then they offered me that position. And now um, I am the managing editor a year later. And so I, um, yeah, working with Warrior Voice is is amazing. It's a better job than I ever could have imagined I would ever have. Yeah. Um, and like being able to to write and edit and, and be in community with like people who are, who live with the same values as I do. Um, it doesn't feel like work. It feels like I'm just with an ex- like extended part of my family and we just talking shit about all these fucking fuck ass systems. Um, <laughs> and it, and it's, it's nice. It's nice to be a part of and it's nice to like edit work that is actually trying to trying to move the needle in how we um, address these issues and how we understand these issues instead of just writing fluff pieces and well, no shade, but I appreciate working with Warrior Voice because the writers, um, I think, actually say things with substance and of substance and that, that matter to the, to the larger conversation. So, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And I've been here for years now, and I'm looking forward to being here for several more. Right. Uh, once again, no shade. But I do get tired of a lot of these mags and writers writing about, like, mental health and very much important topics. But I do see a lot of redundancy going on. So looking at this magazine in particular, I was like, there is a lot of topics that people are not addressing or not really eloquently putting out there. So whenever I read one of your articles, I'm just like, yes, period. Like every single thing in my head that I try to like bring together is like, you literally put it out there. And I'm just like, exactly. I agree. So one of those particular articles was from Lagos to Atlanta. And this was addressing what was going on in Nigeria with the SARS, and um, which was absolutely horrible. And it was just so sad to see such a black city just be attacked like that. Like it, it really did hurt my heart. And I know a couple people who are who live out there, and you know, I've been like keeping up to date with them and seeing how they're doing. And you know, it's sad to hear that people who I know actually have lost family. <laughs> like it's it's crazy. But also your article putting that into juxtaposition of like Atlanta, which is another black city. Um, and even though two different worlds, but very similar shit <laughs> going on. Yeah. So you tell, so tell yeah. us like, what was like 
the your purpose for writing that article and what were you really trying to convey to people? Yeah. Um, thank you for one for for that and for reading it and all the things. That article, like so sometimes when I when I write a piece, it's one of those pieces where I am like just moved like immediately by something that I that I see and that I have to get out of my chest right. before I can and that was one of those articles because I, I'm forgetting his name in this moment and I wish that I wasn't, but I was reading about on Twitter about um, this one guy who, whose last tweet was um, like, SARS won't kill me or something like that. Like, like saying that, this, that this, this movement work will not kill me. Like being out here, like I refuse to die by the hands of, of, of the state essentially. Right. Um, that was his last tweet before he was murdered by what was, projected to be um SARS during the during the movement and so I like I was just so moved in my spirit by that because I've been organizing here in Atlanta for several years um for uh, upwards of a decade and um there was something like it, it clicked for me in that moment, like thinking back to the Rayshard Brooks uh, murder this summer. Right. And the organizing that we did around that. Um, and it was just like so familiar. It was like so many, so many of us have given our lives to this work, to, to like the, the movement. And also so many of us have not given our lives to that and have still died by the hands of the state simply because we've been black and, and, and out, right. Or black right. and not out, black in general. And so, um, I wanted to write that piece because so many people think that because you have black leadership, right? That because you um, you live in a black ass city that produces so much culture, uh, that that there's not that that the the problems that affect other people won't affect you. It's like, oh well, Which is you false. know, your mayor's. <laughs> Right, which is very false, but like you got a mayor named Keisha and you got a black president and you got, you create all this culture and now you're hearing um, all these Nigerian artists on the radio or now you, Atlanta is, is the, the, the heart of rap, right? Because trap music is, is right. the heart of Atlanta, right? And so it's like all these things that really produce this thought that like, because you have all this culture and this blackness, quote unquote, like in these spaces, that you're not also being harmed. And I, and I wanted to write that piece to say like, being black and in a leadership that only like reifies and affirms the very anti-black white supremacist structures only produces us, only introduces us rather to me to more harm because of the fact that people overlook it because of those things I just named. Yes. So I wanted to really draw a comparison between Atlanta and, um, and Nigeria at large overall, because there, um, there like is absolutely a need for us to assess and reassess why we um, overlook the violence that happens in, in black spaces um, because it has black leadership when the leadership is structured under anti-blackness and white supremacy. Exactly. So that's yes. the point of writing that piece. Yes, that's been something that I've been kind of like really figuring out because um, even though Jersey City is a completely different city than Atlanta, it's not completely black at all. <laughs> like it's, you know, it's very much a, a melting pot over here. But we do have black people who are in positions of power as in like council people. 
And even though people may view that as being small, that is still big because you're still making decisions for the city. And watching the black leaders in those positions literally uh, appease the white man, (laughs) the mayor, or like the developers who were out here gentrifying the city, it has really opened my eyes and said, damn, like even black people in power is, is not even the answer because you could be in a marginalized group and you could still uphold white supremacist concepts and rhetoric. So it's been, so it's just been such an eye opener. And then reading this article has been like, yeah, like it, it really doesn't matter where you at. Cause even like a country like Nigeria, which is very much black, they're still feeling the effects of the white supremacy that they went through forever and still currently going through. Yep. So it's, it's so difficult. Cause you just like, damn, like you think as a person of color, you would think, okay, we're going to try to help these people out. We're really going to try to get some equity here. We're really going to try to protect these people. But instead, they're thinking of themselves and they're thinking of, okay, how can I benefit from this? And it's just like, then don't be a, per- don't be a person in power if you're thinking about yourself. Like, it just, it really baffles me. And that's the thing about it is that like power, especially in this context under, you know, anti-Blackness and capitalism, yeah. power like, for you to have power, you must be committed to yourself and yourself first, mm. right? Like that—that's—that is the ty- that's what is required. But I also believe that a lot of them really are not committed to, or are rather, are not thinking only about themselves in that moment. I think a lot of them really do think that they're thinking about us, mm. um, and I think that is the 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 worst part is that so many of them do think that they are. Um, thinking about us and that they have to play a particular game um, to, to like make sure that the end game like is in our favor. But the reality is that it never actually is. No, it never actually works out in the way that they think that they're, that they're doing it for. So it's like, um, like, you know, this summer Keisha Lance Bottoms, um, the mayor here in Atlanta um, went out and talked about how, you know, she, she understood people's rage in the streets because she has a black son and who she's always afraid is going to be killed and all the things. And it's like, girl, but you're sitting out here like fussing at black folks and, 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 and mad at them for, for having rage over the fact that your, your police department continues to murder people. And, and she, for as long as Keisha has been a politician here in Atlanta, because she was not just, just the mayor. She was also city council member at one point. Like she has been in yeah. the power for years and her work has overwhelmingly been about the displacement of black people. So mm-hmm. it's like, you know, girl, we don't believe you because you have been in cahoots with the developers, like you just mentioned, yep. and you have been like at the forefront of, of, of gentrification here in the city to the point where, where Atlanta is, no longer the black ass city that it that it once was right and we're only like just over half of of um just over half of the population is black now like i think 40 48 49 percent is is white or otherwise non-black and it's like girl you like that's that's on you right that's 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 on you and i think that that's something that we have to really sit with and that they have to really sit with is that you know you think that you're moving in a way that best helps black folks or at the very least helps your black family. But even your black son would be harmed by the policies that you've, that you've brought yes. out like, because, yeah, yes. he, because he is black, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and therefore that's all that matters. Your, your marriage ship, like your being in position of power doesn't change that. 
and will not protect him. So I, I just think that like, she, I, I wrote that piece for that reason. I think these, these people really have to work through that bullshit because it's harming all of us. Yes. Oh, yes. Black capitalism is not the answer, people. <laughs> that is not the answer. So, ugh, period. We just got to dismantle. If we could just, if I, my one power was to dismantle like white supremacy and all that bitch, it would be like this, okay? okay. Really quick. Um, so, thank you for that. Thank you for explaining that. Now, let's talk about fat phobia because what a year. <laughs> what a year like i know we discuss topics over and over again sometimes with twitter is kind of like we recycle the same old topics over and over again Very much so but for this year the emphasis on telling fat people how to feel has been absolutely ridiculous i don't i don't know where the conversation well the conversation for me started when was with adele when adele everybody saw she lost weight and then people were like complimenting her and saying like, oh, she looks healthy. She looks this, that, and the third. But we're just like, um, just because she lost weight, that doesn't equate health. Like, that doesn't equate that she's healthy because she could still be very much going through it mentally. We all know that she just went through a divorce. So who knows where she's really at? Um, so that's where that conversation started for me. And then as we started to see more fat bodies like Lizzo show up and pop up because she had a massive year this year and last year. Yeah. People kept, com every single thing she would do, it would be a comment. And we're just like, just leave her alone. <laughs> like, if she was anybody else, you guys wouldn't be talking. But since she's Lizzo and she has a fat body, now, now you're talking about her. And now everything right. she does is being criticized. So right. for you, like, where the fuck did this shit start? Because <laughs> what the hell is going on? Where did these Twitter conversations start? Yeah, like for you, like, where did you first start noticing all that? Um... It's been a long ass year, child. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm not sure where, like, it, if I remember, like, what the start of these conversations looked like this year. But I will go back to the Adele thing because I vividly remember that because I wrote a piece about it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that that was a really difficult moment to to live through um and to work through for me because like you said like so much about the response to it was um a projection of of desire a projection of quote unquote health a projection of um so many things to her right that to me and in, in a lot of ways read as deeply misogynistic and harmful obviously like fat phobic as well um and so i like i sat with that for a while because it was so i was like y'all are really unwell <laughs> um <laughs> and, like y'all are really unwell so yeah so i think like um that was definitely a thing for me and in in particular I wanted people to sit with the fact that the science, you know, if we are going to believe in science, points to the fact that that type of massive weight loss, for one, is is usually indicative of um, other issues, like other mm -hmm. health issues. Um, and two, 
usually does not stay off, right? And so my concern when I first saw the pictures was, for one, I hope she's well. I don't know if she's had surgery or not. I don't know like what is going on, but I'm hoping that she is okay. And two, recognizing the fact that this overwhelming response to her no longer being fat only puts her in a position um, of, of, of fear where now she has to keep that way off because if she doesn't, um, the response will, will only be like 10 times worse than it was before when she um, was fat before, yeah. right? And it's like, um, that type of pressure is, is alarming because we know, again, we know the fact that, that 95% of diets and weight loss do, do not work. You gain the weight back. And oftentimes you gain more weight than you had before. Um, and shout out to those who are taking the keto diet. Cause you will definitely gain that shit right back. If you eat a, a piece of bread. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. That's how it works. So yeah, my initial response like to that was, I hope that she's doing okay. And also I worry for her, for her mental health because when that weight comes back, even if, even if it happens only, only ever so slightly and it happens over, over years, like I, I worry that, um, that she won't be taken care of mentally because she was not prepared for that. And, and she got a different type of praise um, than she's ever gotten for her, for that weight loss. And now, you know, what does it mean to, to, to be in a body where you gain that weight back and, and are therefore disappointing millions of people because millions yeah. of people came out in droves to talk about your body. Um, I, I just, I, I feel for her. And then with Lizzo, for sure, like, Lizzo, Lizzo has a, a very different experience, obviously, because she is not only fat, but also black. Black, yeah. Um, and, and I worry for her a lot, too, because people, people mammify her in a way that is just so sick to witness. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I want Lizzo to be loosened from the shackles of being other people's public caretaker and other people's responsibility, or rather the, the person who's in charge of others, other people's responsibilities um, and who everyone gets to project onto because they have a fat, um, uh, unapologetically flat, fat person um, that they can point to, but it's like, I need y'all to go see therapists. Um, <laughs> yes. Like, like this, this woman is not your mom and she's not your mammy. And she's not your caretaker. And she doesn't have to, um, she, none of us, I, like none of us who are fat have to be advocating on the behalf of anybody for anything um, <laughs> just because we're fat, right? Like, right. Like people, people walk into public, um, or people see Lizzo walk into public as this woman who has on like a, a backless shirt dress, or a woman who's wearing lingerie or whatever, and it's oh body positivity and oh blah 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 blah, and it's like, bitch, she just wanted to wear what she wanted to wear, like right. And I witnessed that so much with my with myself and my platform, where a lot of times like, when I want to just be sexy and just want to like wear nothing and drop my news on the timeline like 
at least on Instagram, Twitter is different, but on Instagram, like the response is overwhelmingly different when I just do it just to do it versus when I do it with like a deep ass caption that talks about phobia, talks about desirability. And it's like, I shouldn't have to like, I shouldn't have to like be engaged um, in this way only when it also comes with some sort of advocacy. And when we do that, we are only like reproducing this very same anti-fat rhetoric and very same anti-fat logics um, that we are so-called against. So yeah, that's my little spiel. <laughs> yes. Um, recently, a girl from one of my favorite girl groups, Little Mix, Jessie Nelson, she recently left the group due to years of like being harassed over her body. And then people were really dragging it. And then she lost weight for their little second album. And then people were still calling her big because she's curvy. So she's a curvier girl in comparison to the skinny girls. So for years, she was getting harassed. And recently, she left the group after nine years. And I just can't imagine the amount of torment that she was facing for nine years in that damn group. Like, like having people constantly talk about your body nonstop. And then you are doing things like you're you're losing weight, you're exercising, you're doing this. You even been public about your... um, about how it made you feel, wrote, did a whole documentary on that shit, and still. So it's just like, it, just stop commenting on people's fucking bodies. If you, in everybody, and these people who comment on people's bodies aren't really worried about health, because if you're worried about health, then you'd be worried about mental health as well. And then you commenting on somebody's bodies and making these rude ass comments, that's not, that's not gonna assist them. That's not gonna make them feel any better about themselves. Just stop doing that shit. Like, to me, it's just so, so whack. Worry about your own damn body. Worry about yourself. That's what the fuck people need to be doing. Because you could Period. be... And the, one of the threads I like that you, that you put on the timeline was the food is food thread, right? Food is fucking food. Period. <laughs> you know, like, ain't nothing more, ain't nothing less. Food Period. is food. And for people to really put all right. this extra shit on some food, but it really doesn't matter because you could be thin and you could eat whatever that doesn't necessarily equate to healthy, <laughs> you know? So it's just like food is food. Um, thank you for that thread, by the way. I absolutely love that thread. <sighs> well, I'm glad someone did because that thread <laughs> that tore up, up Twitter harassment. Um, I'm still getting harassment over that thread, but I said what the fuck I said and I meant it. Yeah. Um, because it's true. Food absolutely is just food and, and not all food has the same, nutrients or has the same reasons like for for eating but all food is food and all food has some sort of um to me has some sort of value right um and and people have a right to eat whatever food they want to eat but when we start to add morals and 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 ethics to food (laughs) we really engage in a lot of like really anti-black ass anti-fat ass um logics that 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 produce a lot of harm. And it's one yeah. thing to talk about, you know, the ways that that big um, companies, you know, um, place like chemicals and, and things of that nature into into our foods that's, that's processed and then give them to black folks and black folks only or into poor communities. That's one thing, right? We could talk right. about that. Um, but it's another thing to say that that food itself is either good or either bad. Um, food is neutral. 
what happens with with food is a, is a response to politics and that means having a different conversation right because that means talking about capitalism and anti-fatness and anti-blackness and all the things that affect how food is is made and how food is produced and who gets access to what foods and that type of thing that's fine but food is simply food um and i child <laughs> I don't remember. Was this was this thread created after Kiki Palmer's uh, shenanigans? Yeah, that same day. Yes. I saw her her tweet and I was like, "Girl, please shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> and so, I, so I made that thread in response. Yeah, yeah it's talk, acting like quinoa is any more healthier than some regular ass rice and shit. It's really not. Like, <laughs> if food is food, girl. You well, have access. Like. No, truly, like she, had, like her and Summer Walker, please give us a break. But um, it's the same. It's people are like, oh, I'm gonna eat some sweet potato, sweet potato fries instead of regular fries if they're healthier. They're not. They're they're not healthier. So it's like, and what the fuck is is health, right? Like, and, and that's a whole different conversation that I talk about in my book. But like, health is is unobtainable for Black folks at large. Uh, because it was literally created for something that we could not have, or as something that we could not have access to. Yeah. Um, and so, and so, I'm genuinely uninterested in in working through what the fuck health is, or or, or what I can do to be healthy, or whatever. Because it's like I don't care. For one, I'm never going to be healthy because not I, like just getting rid of the food conversation, and everything else. My mental health, I'm down bad. Shot. So <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I'm never like health as defined by the World Health Organization is not just about your physical self. No. Um, and and so I just think people are, you know, people should do a lot more critical thinking and should do a lot more reading when they don't understand something. And I think that's the frustrating part is that so many people they jump into conversations that they just simply do not understand and and think that they have a right to because they have thoughts. And it's like okay but have you done any reading have you actually engaged any of the texts or any of the 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 things that i've actually talked about because if you haven't then babes i'm sorry to tell you but we're on different levels and we actually can't be in conversation and so i just i think people are, are weird <laughs> weird as hell like the response from that i'm like well you didn't even say anything that was that was really worth that was really warranted of all that nonsense right. it really you really did it you just said food is food and it, i think that's a fact right food is literally food so i don't understand what the what all the all that bullshit came from but yeah people just were projecting their own fat phobia at yeah. the end of the day like you really do feel a way about fat people while we're just over here minding our own fucking business um and even when it comes to like black foods, like what foods that we love to eat as a culture, and then people always have so much shit to say about that. Like, right. shut up. <laughs> like, just Please. shut up. Period. No, but that's, that's the conversation, right? Like, they'll tell you all day long, oh, all this soul food y'all be eating is unhealthy and, and it's going to give you hypertension and, and, and high cholesterol and diabetes, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, first of all, if it if it does, then then we'll then we'll work through it. But we're also not going to be ableist, right? Like, right. don't be pissed about what the fuck. But also, how is it that black foods are all unhealthy, but all this unseasoned ass, nasty ass food that y'all eat as white folks is just automatically good, healthy and good, right? Right. Let Let's really break that down and figure out why the fuck that is. Um. And and then when we when we do that, we have to really get into the fact that 
that's what y'all y'all call our food junk food, right? Our food is 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 the junk and whatever the fuck junk is, right? There's no such thing. And that's another part of the of my thread that people had an issue with was when I said there is no such thing as junk food. And there isn't. Food again is food. And when you start labeling other things and moralizing or immoralizing other other foods or whatever, it's when it becomes violent. So yeah, I think people are that whole conversation was just um very interesting um and i was i was prepared because i knew that there would be like uh, that response to what i said but i did not expect it to be as bad as it was um so yeah Ooh, that was a day (laughs) that was a day (laughs) so now switching gears we're going to talk about some music ah yeah Deshaun, let me tell you, I really do look forward to like your little Friday reviews <laughs> of the music that was released <laughs> because I'm just like, because first off, it's hard for me to keep up because there's always so much music that's being put out there into the world every Friday, especially now since these uh, celebrities and artists have so much time on their damn hands. They've just been dropping albums like it's, like it's nothing. Um, so let me just let me just get this out the way, child. Um, Okay, Lord. Let's talk about uh, some of my least favorite projects. We're going to talk about the least favorites before we get into the favorites. Uh, okay. So my my least favorite, and something that I completely agreed with you and T on while watching In the Middle, was Ariana Grande's album. I I'm a big Ariana fan. I have a fat ass sweetener poster right here. As you okay. should. Best Her best album. Period. Um and positions. I when I first heard it, I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh hell no!" Because it's not up to par with her with her other albums. It's really not, and it just kind of sounds like if it was a mixtape, then I would have understood. I would be like, "Okay, you know, it's just you having fun with your friends. You threw the shit together. It is what it is." But since you marketed it as an album, I'm expecting album quality, and I was just highly disappointed by the production and don't get me wrong there's some good songs on there but uh, as a project it wasn't it really wasn't it and then what also really annoyed me (laughs) was the aave being used in the album was when i tell you ariana said bitch let me just get in this little black suit real quick girl let me (laughs) the fact that there's a song on the album called my hair and it's literally written by like five black people I know it's a talking point about Ariana, about her hair, but girl, when it's five black people talking about their hair and it's given to you, it's in a whole different context. Yeah. It, it re- I was so disappointed by that damn album. I, I, when she does her pop shit, it works. But when she tr- really tried to do some black shit, girl, it does not for you. I feel like she was trying, I think she was trying to give us what JoJo was giving us, but she failed horribly. <laughs> I, baby, listen, (laughs) yes to everything that you just said. And I, you know, I would not call myself, at one point I used to call myself a huge Ariana Grande fan, fan, um, and that's no longer true because I think so much of like her last three projects have just been um, veering away from from who she is. But Sweetener was a a perfect mix. Sweetener was like, um, Sweetener was like the perfect mix of this very pop sound while also, and this, and these very pop vocals while also like veering into this, this R&B um, influenced like sound more so than her first two albums. 
our first three albums rather, because let's be clear, Ariana has always been influenced by R&B. Always. That's always been true. Babyface was on the first album. <laughs> like, let's be clear. Like, she had Macy Gray on the second. Like, right. she's always been influenced by R&B um, and, and by, like, just blacker sound. So that, like, that to me was never an issue. But it, but that it was still, like, very, very pop influence, very, very pop music. Because she had Max I, Martin and, and all of them to kind of balance it out. And also she worked with Pharrell, who he does create R&B music, but he always creates more interesting R&B styles of music with his production. So it really yeah. did balance out very well. Yeah, very alternative R&B sound. So, so with, with, with that, I didn't take issue really much at all um with with her earlier projects but when we start getting into thank you next and then now into positions i'm like girl i need a break because <laughs> like for one i'm i'm over r&b artists like black r&b artists doing this trap soul trap and b sound it's very tired and very played out and very annoying so to hear it from a white artist was, was even more like girl please shut the fuck uh, um, I was so so frustrated, but but beyond that, I I agree. I think like it was so frustrating for me because the 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 mixing on the album, the production value of the album, the vocals or lack thereof on the album, to me just felt so lackluster, and that was frustrating because I'm like, if this is your take on R and B in comparison to what all the other albums you produced. I'm offended because I'm a nigga who loves music, who is a musician, who 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 reads music, who writes music, who all the things, right? And so I I take R&B very seriously. Yes. Um. And so for her to like produce that, um, it felt like a slap in the face to me. It felt like if this is your take on R&B, I don't think you actually respect the genre at all. And I'm feeling. I'm feeling very disrespected and, and I'm and I'm feeling like this is a slap in the face. D despite the fact that you worked with more black artists or black writers than ever uh, before. <laughs> it's like, okay, first of all, I have a big issue. I had an issue with Justin Timberlake, and I'm gonna have an issue with her now mm -hmm. with white artists like wanting to be spokespersons for black voices. Victoria Monet would have done that album so much better because she did with Jaguar, right? So it's like, if I wanted to listen to Victoria Monet or Taylor Parks, I would because both of them released projects this year. Yeah. And both of their projects were, well, Taylor Parks' album was not great. No. But um, but the EP that she did of covers and, and Victoria Monet's um, Jaguar, to me, were significantly better than positions. Yes. And so, like, if I want, if I want to listen to them, I would do that. Um, but I don't, like you said, I don't want to, to, to read uh, or, or rather, to hear Ariana Grande talking about her hair when it's written about when it's written by five artists who have either natural hair or, or are like who wear wigs or who have locks, right? Like, I don't want to hear about you singing about your hair in that way. And I don't, and, and just again, the AAVE, like you said, that she uses throughout this album as she has done the last two albums, even with Sweetener and with Thank You Next, like, mm -hmm. uh, was like overwhelming for me. It's like, I don't know why we feel so comfortable with allowing these white artists um, to be 
spokespersons. We don't, we don't need spokespersons. We have plenty of black ass artists who are doing amazing work, um, who 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 deserve the support that Ariana got, and and for her fans to position, lol, no pun intended, <laughs> um, for her fans to position her as like her album is like some just amazing R&B album that was like just changing the game was like, it just all felt like a slap in the face to me. And I felt personally disrespected by it. Um, and I, I think that, that she, to me, she really showed that she doesn't take R&B seriously or it, no. if she does that, that she um, chose to give up on doing so for to to market her album and and it's just disappointing to to witness um i hope that she takes a very long break from music yes. and and sits with what she wants to really do um because i think that honestly after dangerous woman and sweetener she really could have kept everything else that she released oh um, my gosh thank you next could have literally just been an ep like it could have been like a little little project um, but with positions, what really like grinds my gears about the whole entire thing is just like you are Ariana Grande, like you have the access to create more interesting music than what you did because she has. Like, and so it really bothers me that she created this project when if you really wanted to do some r&b music you have so many contemporaries that you could have seen like okay who what producers did they work with jojo released a good album this year i really liked it as well um snow allegra she's that's somebody who's not black that she could have easily went to and be like oh let me yeah. see what she's doing alina baraz she also released the r&b album this year that was very good so i'm just kind of like why did you make this lazy ass album when you could have actually if you wanted to give us some r&b shit and give us something to talk about you could have really given us a proper R&B album. You had the resources. You had the budget. So I don't understand why this was the result when you literally released Sweetener and that was 10 times more interesting than this bullshit. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't understand it. It was. I, I don't understand it either. I was disappointed. I was very, very bothered. <laughs> yeah, very bothered. My other least favorite album, uh, I know we're going to disagree about this one. I wasn't a big fan of Brandy's record. Now, <laughs> now I'm going. No, I'm not going to eat you up. But a lot of I will say a lot of folks were not a fan of that album because of the way that it, that it worked through mental health, which I think is a very fair critique. Right. Because that part of it was like, Brandy girl, what are you doing? And I try not to police how how folks talk about their own mental health. Like I don't think that it's my place to police that because we all work through our mental health differently but girl you don't have the room to call yourself the r word or, or use the r word right and like and just like so many other things about how she moved through that album like you don't have schizophrenia sis and it's just it just didn't make sense to me but the album the album itself is so magical. The vocal production. The I, I am such a big fan of a lot of the vocal production. Because it's, it's, first off, it's Brandy, period. Right. Brandy. So me saying like this was my least, it, I think is more coming from this is my least favorite album that she released. Um, so that's why I've been kind of like, okay, girl, I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, because I feel like she addressed similar topics on Aphrodisiac. And I feel like Aphrodisiac is a master, is a master class of an album, child. That album is so good. 
so it was a beautiful album like it i think when it came out going back going on a different little tangent over here when it an aphrodisiac came out i was very young um so i really didn't understand a lot of the shit that was happening or what she was talking about when i revisited it this year earlier this year i was like damn this is the shit i missed out on all these years it was so it's so good like such a great album and so when she released b7 that's how i felt about 11. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But when like a lot of the topics that she addressed on B7, I was like, I feel like you did it better on Aphrodisiac because mm. she was going through a lot of shit during that time, too. And mm. I feel like she really like encapsulated, like she talked about her mental health on that album. She talked about the shit she was going through. And I felt like it was just so much better. B7 is not it's not bad, but I really that the way she did address mental health really did kind of like turn me off. But Saving All My Love, I think, is a great song. I love that song. Yeah. Um, I like high heels. I Baby mama could have been left yeah. off the record, to be honest. <laughs> now, at first, I will say, at first, I was very much a, not a fan of Baby Mama. I was like, girl, I don't know what the fuck you was going on in your head, but you could have kept this shit. But as I listened to the album more, like, because of the single, I, I hated it. But as the album, like, I was like, okay, I actually really fuck with this. I think it's perfectly placed. Um, but... But I also understand completely why that conclusion was drawn because at first I said the same thing, child. <laughs> it's my, no shame. My favorite album of I only I was really disappointed because I felt like there was a lot of great singles and um not a lot of albums really spoke to me personally. Mm-hmm. But um my favorite album this year, some an album that I just kept going back to this year, I went back a lot to JoJo's. I really went back a lot to Good to Know. And I, I genuinely, I feel like it was just such a great take on, on R&B. I feel like it was a great take of, of her. It's different for her. You know what I mean? It's more adult. Like, we're so used to young JoJo. So this was way, this was a step in the right direction. So I really love JoJo's record. Moses Summoney album threw me for. Ray was beautiful. Threw me. I yeah. was like, wow. And it was, and the album was pretty lengthy. But it's like every single sound that you wanted to hear, you heard. Like it kept you like in a trance. It was such a great, such a great record. Yeah. Loved it, it so much. I agree. Oh, love him. Love him. <laughs> he needs more. More respect on his name. And Giveon. I feel like Giveon did a great job this year too. I love him. Yeah. <laughs> his both his album and his um EP were both great. Um, but the album was better for me it was just significantly better to me um i yes he ate that up left no crumbs period he did i did a playlist uh, i think last year for the devon hour for all the og devon hour fans i did a devon hour playlist and i would like it's called devon hour 10k less followers right so Giveon was on there this is when he had like two thousand followers i found one of his songs i was like this dude is next up period yeah and then people were just like, it's all right, it's okay. I said, watch, watch. Mm-hmm. Bitch. I said, I need Bitch. a finder's fee. <laughs> 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 I was telling all my people about him. I was like, he's dope. His out, his EP at the time I thought was amazing. And here we are. Yeah, no, it 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 he is an amazing artist. I as a baritone, like I just I live for for 
niggas getting shine in that in that in R and B without having to be tenor because baby everybody ain't created equal. And I think I personally like I really love love baritones um and 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 basses like um and I could listen to the to them forever and and I I I think it's very special. In the same way that I think a very skilled alto is very special um, in a way to me that I would take over over a soprano. So, um, yeah, I I love him. I love him, and I think that he is so so great and so talented. And I'm like you. I have a playlist um, that I add to often um, called "They Next Up," and he was on that playlist. Um, he is still on that playlist, um, but. Because I, I never take them off. I just have them on that playlist. But yeah, he's one of the ones on that playlist that has since come up. So is Keanu Lede. And so oh, it's... Yes. Um, I think I had... I think I had Summer Walker on there. I had a few folks on there that, that have now, like, you know, really made their mark in, in R&B. But yeah, I, I love him. And I know we're like wrapping up soon but mm-hmm. i i love him <laughs> yes he's great uh i can't wait to see what 2021 has to bring for us musically i feel like this year was a lot so i'm really not expecting too much for 2021 but um is there any artist that you hope to see release a record for next year i'm hoping for beyonce a fun beyonce record i want a fun beyonce record uh yeah i I do hope, well, actually, I'm not sure that I do hope Beyonce releases the, um, an album next year. I would love if she did, but she's given so much, and, and I want Beyonce to really dig deep into her creative bag um, before she releases something else, because right. she's already, she's done so much, and, I, and her next album, um, B7, ironically, I think is going to like really have to be, I want Beyonce to really do some singing like i want i want beyonce like for like b-day um, oh like b-day like, yes like, i want beyonce oh. to really get in that studio and holler um we haven't gotten that from her in a while and and i think that that she i i need to hear it because i've been wanting a, a jazz album from beyonce for so long <gasps> and i know that she won't give us one but i I want a jazz album from her because her voice is so jazzy. Her skill is very jazzy. Um, and she would be able to to do something spectacular in that field. But yes. knowing that that's nothing but, but wishful thinking, um, I just hope that her next album really like does something spectacular um, in terms of like vocal production and whatnot. I mean, which is not to say that she, that she hasn't because Beyonce is that girl, but um, we haven't gotten a B-Day sound from her and since B-Day. So I want to like really, really hear that from her. But beyond that, I'm also really, really, really hoping for Rihanna. I oh. like, oh. I know, I know my sis is really, you know, on her Mary Kate and Ashley shit, but <laughs> I want her to like really, I just know that she has something in store for us. And so I'm excited about her. And I'm also very excited about Cardi B. Um, I, I think her sophomore, yes. I think her sophomore album is going to be spectacular and I'm excited to see what it looks like. And um, I think Cardi is just, 
so creative and and is one of the best newer artists in in terms of like um creativity and 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 her ear for 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 music um and so I, I think that she is going to give us something spectacular as well so i'm those are my like my big three for next year i'm very excited to hear from those three artists yes period with cardi because lord have mercy i need another cardi album please i need another yeah. cardi album i don't play iop out so it's time yes Ugh. Give these girls something to talk about, please. I like it. Also, right. side note, I love how she avoided all this rap girl drama that's been going on recently. Love it very Ash much. Ash should, because <laughs> Cardi, Cardi be wrapped up in drama too much. So I'm glad that she then <laughs> let let the new girls have it, honey. Like it, it's everybody has their time for for the for the rap drama. It it, it happens. It always happens. It, it never fails. So yeah, let them have their time um, and let them figure out how they're gonna work through it. I think. Um, yeah, let them have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is it as far as music goes. Let me just say, Deshaun, we're going to be wrapping up. I am so happy that you took the time out to come on to this podcast. Like I've said in the beginning, I've been following you for a minute and I absolutely love your work. And I am such a big fan of you. Love you and adore you. Um, and I so love you. Bitch, don't. That's a, that's a <laughs> promo. That's a promo. <laughs> um, one last question: Are you taking that vaccine? You know, I'm a I'm a really wait for to see what what effects the girls is having before I decide to take. Oh, it I said I'm giving it to July. Oh, very much. I'm waiting longer than that. It's giving very much end of year next year to really see what's what's going on because. I don't really know. I'm not really. I'm not really trusting it right now. So <laughs> out first. I need to see what the effects are. Okay. Right. Ooh. Yes. Period to that. Um, are there any upcoming projects that you have coming up, or um, any goals that you have coming up? Well, of any- course, my book is coming out next year, so I'm very excited about <gasps> that. Yes, um, it is. Yeah, my book is coming out, out August 10th of next year, so I'm very excited about that. A Leo book. Um, a Leo book, yes. Um, so it's gonna be the king of the books. But period. Um, I am. I'm very excited about that, and and I, that is my biggest focus right now is getting out my baby. This is my first book ever, um, and it's been a long time coming, and it's been something that has been on my heart for years now. So I'm thankful to have finally been able to write it, and for the world to be able to witness it. Yes, I can't wait to read. I can't wait to read you reading, okay? Because <laughs> it's going to be some reading happening. Let's be oh, quick. I can't wait until that book. It's going to be literally in all the schools. <laughs> I hope so. I really no, do. but literally, like, I really hope, like, this book really does something big for you because the way that you eloquently, like, put things out there into the world and have, really, have people really thinking, we really don't have a lot of that. So hearing you put yourself into this book, I'm excited to read it because like your brain is, is I wish bitch. Okay. Not, not enough degrees in my, my schooling. (laughs) You are so kind. That is so sweet. I actually don't have a degree. So I, um, exactly. See, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) So I am, I'm grateful for that. And, and I, I really appreciate that. That's so sweet. Yes. So where can everybody follow you? 
Um, yes, yeah, so Twitter and Instagram both are Deshaun LH, D A S H A U N L H, um, is where you can find me. And my link tree is in my bio for both apps, so you can see everything else there. The period. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the Devon Hour. Uh, we have so many more fun things coming up, and I can't wait for everyone to hear it this season is eating it okay and i can't wait for everyone to to tune in thank you so much Deshaun, for coming on to the podcast and i'll catch everybody later stay woke drink your water and um eat your vitamin c bitch because you're gonna need it okay <laughs>